Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. Well, we're on the eve of one of, I gotta be honest with you, over the years, I don't know if I've experienced so much um, uh, tension, uh, you know, conversation, uh, you know, surrounding uh, an election. And you need to know that I normally don't. Uh, I, in fact, I do. I completely avoid the conversation of politics, not just personally, but also on the platform. Because it's none of my business. I'm not here to tell you who to vote for, steer you in a certain direction, different color. That's, I've got nothing to do with that. But God did convict my heart. And so I want to share a little bit on what God put on my heart uh, with regard to the election that's going to be coming up uh, tomorrow. How many had the chance to do the pre-vote? Dude, isn't that awesome? Walk in, walk out. Yes, I'll do it again, man, like for sure. I'm, I'm so glad that I'm not going to be around for tomorrow's like hectic, chaotic, long 25, 30-minute line type of thing. If you are, I'll pray for you that you'll realize that it's better to pre-vote. But anyways, um, but let me read a couple of quotes, uh, you know, regarding uh, just some humor regarding, you know, as you're getting ready to make your decision, your choice, maybe you haven't made your choice yet, but Winston Churchill once said this, a politician needs the ability to foretell what is going to happen tomorrow, next week, next month, and next year. He also, or he or she also has to have the ability afterwards to explain why it didn't happen. How many know that's true, right? Why it didn't happen, right? We always get these promises, but they don't always come through. Uh, Groucho Marx said this. He said, politics is the art of looking for trouble, finding it everywhere, diagnosing it incorrectly, and applying the wrong remedies. How many know that's true, right? Uh, George Bernard Shaw, I found these really funny. George Bernard Shaw said this. He knows nothing, thinks he knows everything, that points clearly to a political career. And here's a good one here. Milton Friedman, who's an economist, said this. If you put the federal government in charge of the Sahara Desert, in five years there will be a shortage of sand. I'll give you one more. This is Pastor Craig. I hate talking politics. Now, don't get me wrong. Understand, hear my heart, I totally believe it's important for every one of us to understand uh, the, the issues that are, that are facing our nation. I think it's important for us to use our voice to help shape where we're going as a nation. Uh, I, I also believe that it's super important that we uh, not only use the right, but the privilege. I mean, Alan just prayed that a few minutes ago because there are parts of the world that don't get this privilege to be able to have a voice in the direction or the leadership or the inf- or be able to influence their nation like we do. And it's a privilege to vote. It's not as much a right as much as it's a privilege. We have the opportunity to speak to that. And I think it's important for us um, to, 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 to voice our opinion and to speak to it. I also think when we speak to it, I think it needs to be done appropriately and proper. But, but at the same time, if you're like me, I actually, in fact, Right now, I'm kind of avoiding Facebook because I find Facebook is nothing but constant political ads, promotions, memes, um, you know, uh, comments that I'm like, wow, I can't believe that person just said that. That is like, you know, that type of thing. Like, I just, I can't handle talking politics because it's one of those things that either super frustrates me or it makes me laugh. You know, like, I, I look at some of the things that politicians 
you know, who claim to be leaders, you know, and, and that's the idea that they're leaders, but whether it's a character issue, a lifestyle issue, or, you know, something that they said, or something that they've done, or something that they've tried to justify that clearly everybody knows is not appropriate. And I'm not just speaking to the present, I'm talking about throughout the years, you know, it's just, it's, sometimes it can be super laughable. And, and it's frustrating, and, and, and it can make you, in fact, to be honest with you, again, if you look at Facebook, I think sometimes, especially as believers, politics can actually bring out the worst in all of us. It can bring out emotions and thoughts and frustrations to the point where it just kind of boils over. And, you know, as I was preparing for this week, I had this thing in my heart that I just felt like God was about to hijack my message. And I was kind of hoping that this wouldn't be the week that he does it because it's a short week. How many, how many really don't care for short weeks? Like you care, you love short weeks, but you hate short weeks, right? Like for me, my short week just means that everything that I normally do gets compressed into four days, not five, right? Like, and so like I was here on Friday, you know, the whole day. Then I was here Friday evening. You can see the concrete broken up at the outside. We've hit another uh, tank that we needed to find and all that good stuff. But thank God we will never have, well, I shouldn't say that in Jesus' name, but we shouldn't have any septic issues after this. It's all good. But, but you know, and you're just, you're doing all of this stuff. And all of a sudden I had this thing in the back of my heart. I'm like, God, why do I have a feeling that you are going to hijack this week's message? I just have this feeling. And so I'm preparing, I'm getting ready, and I'm thinking about worship, and, and uh, you know, this is us, our series, this is what we want to be known for, and I wanted to build on this um, understanding of worship, which I'll pick up next week, which again is another short week for me because I'm going to be at a conference, so, you know, here we go, right? And all of a sudden, God really challenged me in light of the election, and regardless of what happens after tomorrow night. There is one response that all of us as believers need to have that most of us, including me, sometimes find difficult. And God began to convict my heart. And that's where he led me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 to 4 says this, and it comes on the heels of Paul writing the, the first part of the chapter of First uh, of Timothy, he's talking about his own conversion experience. He's talking about how he came to Christ. In fact, there's a passage there that talks about how the grace of God was just poured out on his lives, on his life. He was so overwhelmed with the grace and the love and the care that Jesus poured on his life. And remember, you know, Paul was a, a, a complete... Um, completely against the church. He, you know, that was his, he had such a passion for God that he saw Christianity or the way, you know, this movement as uh, an interference. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not God. And so he did everything to persecute the early church. He traveled, he wanted to jail them. He wanted to see them die. And so that's the kind of persecution. And we know that on his way to Damascus, the Lord meets him there and he has his conversion experience. And now He's serving the very person that he persecuted. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he mentions the grace of God that was poured out on his life. I love that. And then he picks up in the second part of this letter, he says, But I urge you then, in light of what I just told you, how I went from being super wicked, super evil against the church, I'm, I'm urging you that first of all, 
So again, the word urge here is not this, hey, just a recommendation for you, something that I'm suggesting to you. You know, it's a passion of Paul's. This is, he's building an argument for Timothy to teach the church that this should be our first response always. Always. That petitions, prayers, and intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Meaning regardless of where they are in their faith, regardless of where they are in their journey, regardless of what's going on, and, and, and I know all of us are running through some scenarios of people that we know, and we're going, okay, are you serious, Paul? Like, we got to really, we got to be thankful for those people, really? And Paul says, listen, that's the first response to all people. But then he goes a little further. I love this about Paul. Paul always is, Paul's like that guy that knows how to take things to the edge and then push you over on purpose, right? And so he doesn't just say all people, he gets really specific and he says, especially, he might as well have said especially here, especially for kings and all of those that are in authority over you. Anybody seeing a face right now that you're going, I'm going to have a hard time doing that prayer, you know, I'm not, you know, like, seriously, especially for kings and those that are in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness, for this is good, and this is actually what pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. I love what the New Living Translation um, kind of paraphrases this thought and says, ask God to help them and intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Now let me give you some context because as much as you and I might struggle with that idea because let's be honest, not every person that's in authority are people that we necessarily enjoy having in positions of authority. Let me just put it that way. It's not, I'm being really political right now. I'm just trying to be very careful, right? Uh, you know, there are people that we either don't respect or we don't like the way that they do, you know, politics or they just, they, they're not on the same page as you are or your beliefs or your morals. And, it, and I won't get into it today, but if you really want a, a passage of scripture to mess with your head when it comes to people in authority and politics and all that kind of stuff, read Romans chapter 13. It will mess with you. Because it will talk about how God orchestrates these things how involved he is in setting up authority and leadership and how sometimes God sets it up and uses it to his benefit and I'll just leave it there and you can if you have an angry email because you don't like that you can email jonathan at communitychurch.ca or you can email or talk to God and you can deal with him on that because that's where it's all going to go. You know what I mean? I didn't write it. I'm just saying that's what it says, right? I struggle with it as much as anybody else. Like I'm just being transparent and honest with you. But he's saying no matter who they are, and, and here's the context. You know, Paul in this moment is talking about, he, he's just, many scholars believe he's just fresh coming off of being in prison in Rome. So this is on his mind. He has been surrounded by Roman guards, Roman authorities, and, and they have not treated him well. That is for sure. Right? And, and so, you know, he, he has this moment where, you know, he's, he's struggling. He's wrestling with this thought of being in prison. And Nero was in leadership and authority over him. And Nero hated the church. 
hated the church, didn't respect the church, didn't, didn't, you know, didn't like Christians at all. In fact, many believe that the very people that Paul is speaking about, and he's talking about Nero himself, he's like, listen, you need to pray for Nero. Many believe that there's a lot of evidence that points to the fact that it was Nero himself in 68 AD that actually executed Paul. So that just gives you a little bit of insight on the tension that Paul or even the early church would have been feeling in this moment that Paul is saying, hey, listen, these people that are trying to persecute you, just like I was trying to persecute you, need prayer just like I needed prayer, and God met me and poured out his grace on my life. Wow. That's crazy. It's, 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 it's challenging. And he's like, listen, you need to pray for their salvation. This is what the Lord put on my heart. The Lord just said, hey, listen, regardless of what happens on Monday, our first response, even though in the natural, it could be frustration, it could be anger, it could be even gloating and celebration because the person that we voted got in. I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about our responsibility as followers of Jesus. That we say to ourselves, what's my first response regardless of who gets into a place of authority? Paul instructs us that it should be prayer. And it should be prayer for their salvation. Now I'll explain part of the reason why he touches on this. But he makes it very clear, and it's so true. Sometimes in politics, we forget that the person that we're frustrated with or the party that we don't like or the individual that might be doing something that we don't consider appropriate or proper or whatever is still a person that's in need of Jesus. That's a hard one. But it's so true. They need Jesus regardless. And, and, and again, you know, he's talking about that with all people. He's like, listen, for all people, you should be constantly praying. Go back to what the New Living Translation said. Ask God to help them and intercede on their behalf and be thankful for them, saying, hey, God, you know what? I may not necessarily agree with them, but I'm going to believe. So what Paul was saying is, I'm going to pray for Nero's salvation. And I have to believe and wonder that if Paul in that moment was thinking that there was probably some people that were praying for my salvation because I need Jesus. And sometimes when you look at social media, I wonder if we've kind of forgotten that. In fact, to be honest with you, and this is just a side note, sometimes I wonder if our response on social media is, because is, is, some of it is not necessarily reflective of the character and the nature of Jesus, if I'm being honest. And I'm not pointing fingers at any one person. It's not like I've seen it here necessarily, but I'm just saying in general. You know, like I've got, I don't know, whatever, 800 people that I'm connected with on Facebook or more or whatever it is. And, and so my feed can be long. And some of it is just, they're just information. This is what all the parties believe and whatever. And then some of it is like downright like, I sit back and I'll be honest with you. I understand the frustration. But what I don't get is when the scripture says that my job is to speak the truth in love and then I see certain things and I go, that's, that's not reflected. 
In fact, what does that say about us to other people who know that we're believers and we're not acting like Christ would? That doesn't mean that Christ didn't speak the truth. He spoke the truth. He was very adamant about the truth. He didn't back down from the truth. But he did it in a way with authority. In fact, the only time that Jesus really got frustrated was with religious leaders. That was it. Religious leaders. Right? And Paul says our first response should always be prayer. And you start with their salvation if they're not serving Christ because they need Jesus too. He reminds us that no matter what we're going through politically or who's in authority over us, we need to constantly remember the mission. The mission is for everyone to come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And sometimes when we're dealing with and wrestling with those that are in authority over us, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. The second thing, because actually before I go on, let me just give you a couple more scriptures that will reinforce what I'm saying because I think we still have a responsibility. Um, when we talk about it not being easy, let me give you two more. Matthew chapter 44, uh, 5, verse 44. Matthew 44, you'll never find it. But Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. This is Jesus saying, he says, listen, I say to you that you need to love, and that word love is agape. This is unselfishly seeking the best or the higher good for your enemies. Like, this is Jesus himself. Like, I'll be honest, when I read passages like this, this is where it really becomes difficult to be a follower of Jesus. Because this is the stuff that makes us uncomfortable. Because our humanity fights sometimes against this kind of thought. Like, okay, but they're my enemy. Why would I hang out with them? Why would I? And Jesus is like, listen, you need to love your enemies. And you need to pray for those that persecute you. Paul's just picking up on the teachings of Jesus. Pray for the people that persecute you. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 and 28, and by the way, this is coming from the Amplified. He says this, but I say to you who hear, meaning those that are paying attention to me, that are listening to my words, love, again, here's that, here's that word, uh, agape love, unselfishly seeking the best or the higher good, but love your enemies and make it a practice, meaning do good to those who hate you. Do good to those that hate Do the opposite of what they deserve. That's grace. And bless and show kindness to those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. Pray for those who mistreat you. I love how the message puts it. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. Again, I want to stress, I'm not here to give you my personal opinion on who should be you know, in, in power, that's none of my, it's, it's, it's personal, and what anybody in this room chooses to do or how they choose to vote, that's your right, that's your privilege, you vote your conscience, you do what you think is right, man, listen, I honor you for that, I'm not here to speak to a party, because that doesn't really, it's not important, do you know what's really important, that we respond to what Paul calls us to in First Timothy, to pray for our leaders, to pray for their salvation, and here's the secondary reason, Paul understood that these leaders that were in authority over him had a major impact, a profound impact on their ability. Can we go back to um, the 1 Timothy chapter 2 again for a second here? It had the profound ability to allow the body of Christ to live peacefully and quiet lives 
again, you know, when you look at this word, um, you know, uh, uh, peaceful, um, again, it's this, this idea that, you know, that you're not hindered. Like, you're not hindered. You're not, you're not impeded. Nothing's in your way. And, and he understood that these people that are in positions of authority have a profound impact on my ability to live a quiet life and live out my life in godliness and holiness, which really what he's talking about here is bringing the gospel or message of Christ through my life or through my conversation. And so he's like, my secondary reason for calling you is they need Jesus regardless, regardless of who they are. I was, guys, I was there. And the grace of God was poured out on me. And if I could turn around, that means every, anybody else can turn around. Paul says, I, in fact, 1 Timothy chapter 1, he says, I'm the worst of sinners. And if God can do that for me, we need to be praying for every leader, no matter who they are, every person, no matter who they are, for their salvation. But they're also people of influence. And we need to pray for them for God's wisdom, for God's direction. Go back to the new living. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf. I mean, cry out for them. You know, we're, we may have, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow night. We may have someone personally that we're going, I don't want that person as, you know, my prime minister. I don't want that person as you know, my local representative. And Paul says that doesn't matter as much as no matter who it is, we're praying. And we're praying for God's wisdom. And we're praying that God would touch their life and that God would speak to them, that God would. Because listen, there's nothing better for this nation than for this nation to be immersed in the things and the principles of God. Because it's the principles of God that bring about life. And it brings about abundance. And I love that. And I love the fact that, that, that Paul challenges on this because sometimes we need to be reminded of the simple human fact that these guys are leaders. I'll be honest with you, being a leader myself, you know, I, I do feel for those that genuinely want to serve in a, in a position of authority, especially when it comes to, you know, serving to help shape or guide or influence their nation. It's, it's, it's not just patriotic. It's, it's admirable that they're willing to do that because, man, listen, they're under so much scrutiny. Some of it's brought on by themselves. I get that. But they're under so much public scrutiny. And I think about their families, and I think about, you know, their children. I think about all this kind of stuff, and, and I get it. Sometimes, like I said, they bring it on themselves, but, but then there are other things that I'm thinking, I'm going, I don't think that's right, and I don't think that's proper. I might disagree with you strongly. I have strong opinions about different things. But there's a family in the background, and so I want to end with this today. The Evangelical Fellowship of Canada put out a great list on how we should pray for our leaders beyond the election. Number one, pray for all leaders regardless of their party, policy, or stances that they hold. Why? Because First Timothy says, pray for all people, including your kings and the people in authority. Pray that leaders would make decisions that contribute to the peace of all of those under their authority. It's, it's not an easy job to try to lead and lead in such a way that everybody that's under your care still respects and honors you, cares about you. That's not easy, man. Like, listen, all of us in this room have different opinions on a lot of things. Listen, I find it hard enough to 
you know, be the leader of my own home. You know, like there's a lot of opinions. Like I know, I know the things that we wrestle. Can you imagine being, you know, uh, you know, uh, an MP or whatever, and your your constituency is, you know, a few thousand people? It's crazy. Pray that political authorities who are brothers and sisters in Christ would be able to stand firm in their Christian beliefs and convictions. Because that's not easy to do in Canada today. That's our war right now. Our war is being able to be public about our faith and still be able to lead and shape our nation. Because it's not necessarily popular, popular in certain parts of Canada. Number four, pray for those leaders who are not believers in Christ, that they would come to hearing the gospel and learning about the truth. Number five, pray for all political leaders that they would do their jobs well and that they would come under the realization that they are God's servants. That's Romans chapter 13. You can read that and it can puzzle you like it puzzles me, but go ahead. Number six, pray that the political leaders would be able to balance their time between their position and their families well. It's an extremely demanding strain on someone's individual time and energy, let alone their family. Number seven, pray that political leaders would make decisions that allow the gospel to be freely shared. You know, I was thinking about this, and this might not be a very popular statement. This might be the one sermon that you'll go, I'll never want to hear this sermon again, Pastor Craig. Don't bring it. Don't even put it on the podcast. You know, that might, that might, it might hit that level. Do you know, a lot of times we pray, and I think we should pray, that the right person for the right season of time goes into positions of authority and leadership over us as a nation. Sometimes I wonder we need to, and Hillary, I'll get you to come back. Sometimes I think we need to remember that if someone does get into authority that we don't necessarily jive with. And instead of getting angry and upset, Maybe we need to use our influence. And our influence sometimes is more than just our voice on social media or our voice on, you know, uh, just talking to people or writing emails or, you know, whatever. Do you realize that your greatest influence is your prayer life? Like you have access to the throne room of God. And it's like, you know, God, I, I'm going to do what Paul says. I, I'll tell you, this is, this is challenging to me. Trust me, even as I'm sharing it, I, I, Thursday night, I struggled so much with sharing this message because I'm like, oh, God, like, this is not easy. Paul's right. Prayer changes things. And it changes people. And it makes a difference. And maybe part of the struggle that we're having as a, as, a, as a church, as the body of Christ in Canada or in North America in general, maybe part of the reason is we're not exercising the opportunity and the power and the gift that we have in the way of prayer and praying for our leaders. And it does mean that we'll have to get to a place where we forgive leaders for what they've done or said. 
You know, I had a friend of mine, I just saw a clip of him speaking, and he just recently said, and I, and again, depends on who you are, I, I, I don't think the scriptures is as negotiable as a lot of people like to preach it, to be honest with you. And he just said, you know, he was doing a series on forgiveness and grace, and he said, and I've said something similar to this about, you know, forgiveness and, and grace. I've said that it's hypocritical to enjoy that but not give it out. My friend just said this. He's like, listen, if you and I are followers of Jesus, forgiveness and grace is not a choice as far as whether you can or, or you have to or you don't. It, you have no choice. And you may not feel like it, but you need to go there because you're a follower of Jesus. This is a non-negotiable with God. That's the black and white with Scripture. People wrestle, and I get it. But whether we wrestle with it or not, our job, our calling is to pray. So I'm going to ask you to stand all over this room. We're going to just take one minute, and then I'm going to encourage you. Starting tonight, as you're praying for the election, you can pray what your conviction is. God, this is what I think should happen. But if it were me, I'd be praying, God, let your will be done. Let your will be done. Yeah, this is my preference. This is what I think, God. Let your will be done because it's your will. It's in your will, man. The center of your will is the best place to be. And God, whoever gets into power, whether it's the person that I want or the person that I don't want, I'm going to commit myself. And I'm, this is the conviction because I haven't done this enough. And God goes, this is your first. Remember, Paul says, listen, I urge you, first of all, men, first thing you do, prayers, petitions, you just begin to intercede on behalf of somebody. Even if it's your enemy, Jesus, Matthew chapter 5, Luke chapter 6. Come on. Would you take a minute right now and begin to pray for the election? Would you pray that God's will be done? Would you pray for every leader? Would you commit today to pray for every leader, for their family, for their family time, for wisdom, for some way, somehow, for the wisdom of God to touch their lives most importantly, would you commit to praying for their salvation? Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.communitychurch.ca.